0: Hi everyone and welcome to episode seventy-five of the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. The title of today's interview is From Crime Fighter to Lime Fighter, an interview with Emma Melblum. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast guest is Emma Melblum. Emma Melblum is a thirty-one-year-old woman from Sweden. In 2012, she was working in a primary school and training to become a police officer. Emma was forced to change her plans when she began to experience the symptoms of a tick disease. She had nausea, flu-like symptoms, joint and muscle aches. She saw over 15 doctors and received a psychosomatic diagnosis before finally being diagnosed with Lyme disease. Currently, Emma is treating for her Lyme with a mix of antibiotics and herbs. She is also using infrared saunas. On her journey, Emma lost a lot of friends. She created her Instagram page to remind others that it takes time to heal and to stay positive. Hey Emma, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. We're blessed to have you, Emma. Can you share with our listeners where you're calling in from? I'm calling from Sweden. And Emma, what do you do for a living? Right now, I'm sick. (laughs) When I was
1: healthy, I worked with children in school. Emma, what is your relationship status? I'm now in a relationship. And with whom are you in a relationship with? With my beautiful girlfriend.
0: What was your life like? before you started to get sick?
1: Before I get sick, I was a very healthy person. I went to the gym. Uh, I had a lot of dreams to be a police officer. So I, I went to the gym and started eating right. And I was working with kids in a, sc- a small school. So my life was pretty good. Yeah, it was the best time in my life actually.
0: So you were preparing for a career in law enforcement, and you were preparing yourself to ultimately become a police officer in Sweden.
1: Yeah, I wanted to. I was I was going to to uh, to the gym to build up the body, and then I was going to for the police officer.
0: Emma, why did you want to become a police officer?
1: Because I always wanted to help people, not to just throw them in prison or something like that. I want to help people and build up the society. That's a,
0: one one of my dreams. So you, you were pursuing your dream of becoming a public servant in Sweden and then you began to show some signs of sickness, is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. 2011, I removed my tonsils because I had so many infections in so many years. All my childhood years was terrible because of the infections. So now 2011 I had to remove them and I felt like, oh wow, <laughs> no infections anymore. I can, I can work out and everything's good, feels good. But then it started to feel some pain in the groin because I was, I was in the gym, I was doing a sit-up and then it was a shooting pain in the groin. And after that, I couldn't, I couldn't move properly.
0: How old were you when you began to show the symptoms of what you now know to be your tick disease? I was 24 years old. And how did the symptoms progress? How did you first start to know that you were sick, and how were your symptoms progressing?
1: I started to notice that I started limping on my right leg, and I had some terrible muscle pain in the the stomach. It was contracting really hard. I couldn't... It was... It was terrible pain in the, in the stomach. And then when the months was passing away, I was moving back to my city where I was born, where my parents live. And I started a new job. And then it was like a truck that hit me. It was like my right leg was, started numbing. And one day I couldn't move my leg anymore.
0: Emma, how did your developing symptoms impact the work you were doing to pursue your dream as a police officer?
1: When I started to notice that everything was going to be bad from now on, it was like I had so much anxiety of not doing the follow the dream I wanted to do, and I had so much so so many problems to not be that person who can help anymore. I I was the person that needed help, not the one that helped other people. So it was really oh it was bad.
0: Now Emma, what other social impacts did the developing tick disease symptoms have on you?
1: The best thing here was that I had a really good relationship with my friends. I haven't lost any friend. The worst thing was the romantic relationship was, I've lost so many relationships because of this, because I was so tired all the time, and yeah, I, did, I didn't have any time to, to focus on anyone else than myself, but I have really good experience with my family and my friends, but the loved ones, I, the relationships didn't last.
0: Now, do you believe that your romantic relationships were not lasting because your partners were essentially sick of you being sick?
1: Yes, exactly. I think it was hard for them to see me like this other person. They couldn't see me this sick. Uh, and it affected them also to hear me scream every night, to to lose all this weight. And I had so much, much pain. I think it was hard for them to see that,
0: that I was getting worse. So, Emma, when did you begin to see doctors to help you determine why you were getting sicker and sicker?
1: Uh, in 2013 uh, was the crucial, when I moved back to the hometown. I went, because I couldn't work anymore, I had to get some money from the government to, they pay me for being home to be sick. Uh, and I needed to go to the doctors and, and get that paper. Uh, and then they started to investigate me in every way. They took every blood sample, MRI, everything. And it doesn't, didn't show anything on the tests,
2: nothing. I was healthy. So, Emma, you went for disabilities, what we call it here in the States, to get money from your government because you were sick and disabled. Is that what you did? Yes. And they ran a wide variety of tests to see what was wrong with you physically and all the tests came back Negative meaning that they couldn't find what was wrong with you, right? Exactly Did they still approve your disability and and give you the money for being disabled despite the fact that they couldn't identify the cause of your sickness?
1: Yeah in the in the beginning they because they did all these tests and everything they give me all the money because They didn't know what, I didn't have any diagnosis for like four years. And then they come up with a
2: diagnosis that says I'm psychosomatic. Is psychosomatic the diagnosis that they put on the paperwork for you to get your disability? Yes. And here in the States, psychosomatic, you know, our interpretation of that would be that really it's something you're making up or imagining that it's a mental health issue causing you to think that you're sick, that you're faking it almost. Is that sort of the same meaning in Sweden? Yes, it is. Now, here you are, you're 24 years old, and now you're on disability and you're going to these doctors. Did you believe that you were making these symptoms up, or did you still feel that there was some other cause that hasn't been identified yet?
1: In the beginning, I thought that I had all these symptoms and something is wrong with me. Something It it needs to be some uh, disease or something. But then when I I saw this neurological doctor when he gave me this, this diagnosis of psychosomatic, they sent me to the psych. So I was in the psych ward for two and a half years, one times a week. And I started to believe this was something I made up. I asked my mom several times in like, I was like, is this true? Is this something I, I imagining? I can't move my arm. Why can't I move my arm? Is it something I made up? So. In the beginning, I thought it was something like an infection or something. But, and then I started to believe it was all in my head.
0: Emma, how did your family react to the psychosomatic diagnosis? Did your family members believe that you were really sick? Or did they believe that you were exhibiting physical symptoms from a mental illness?
1: I think I have three siblings. I think one of them didn't believe me she had trouble to to understand why this happened and i think she believed it was psychosomatic but my parents was so supportive and said no 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 this is not psychosomatic
2: this is something else so you believed it was psychosomatic at one point that, you know after you, you started this process but your parents never believed it they always knew there was something else wrong yes yes because they know me <laughs> they know i couldn't
1: come up, up with this in, in the brain or something. They, they know me so good. So they, they were so supportive and told me that this is not, nothing you, you just come up with.
0: What about your friends, Emma? What, what did your friends think when you were discussing with them the psychosomatic diagnosis that you had been given by your healthcare system?
1: I don't actually know because they were so supportive that they didn't, didn't really ask something. In that time, I was very, I didn't talk so much about my symptoms and, and my sickness. We, when I meet them, we, we try to have a happy,
2: be in a happy place. So Emmett, although you were really sick when you hit 24 a year after your tonsillitis surgery, you were sick on and off your entire life since a young child, correct? Yes, yes. And you did a lot of activities and lived in a tick endemic area, meaning an area that's, that's very heavily populated with ticks. And you were in these areas out in nature quite often as a child, right? Yes. If you go like one kilometer from here, it's, it's an
1: Island that's full of ticks. <laughs> it's oh, and we were children that running on that Island, it was terrible. Did you ever find a tick biting you? I think I have seen ticks biting me and my parents t- take it off, but nothing like, not, no uh, symptoms of that. I don't think so. I got this bite, I think I got this bite when I was like maybe 20.
0: Emma, what did you know about ticks and tick diseases prior to you getting your Lyme disease diagnosis? Nothing. Is there any education about ticks and tick diseases as part of the Swedish educational system?
1: No, (laughs) it's only TBE, you know? It's a very affected area here with TBE
2: in the ticks. So they go for flu, they get these shots. And you mentioned that you, you think the tick bite that caused you to get sick when you were 24 was a tick bite from when you were 20 but do you recall other tick bites when you were younger as a child from being out in nature? I think so.
1: Sometimes there was a lot of ticks and I, I don't remember which one it could be
2: because it's so much here. <laughs> you don't know which one it was. And in many cases, it could be multiple tick bites, meaning you're infected more than once and the cumulative or the buildup of those tick bites caused you to be sick later on in life. Do you think that the tonsil surgery you had when you were 23 was a traumatic experience for you physically and therefore shortly after caused you to get really sick from the Lyme disease because it was an opportunity for the Lyme to, to make you sick and to take over your body?
1: Yeah, I think the immune system went down so, so bad. So I think the infections got really
2: busy in my body and wanted to, I wanted to uh, take over my body. Your symptoms progressed from there, and you mentioned that some of your past partners and, and, and past relationships, they'd hear you screaming at night. So I want to learn more about your symptoms. Why would you be screaming at night? That, was that caused from the pain that you experienced? Yes, I had a terrible pain in my back and my leg. Were your doctors at the time prescribing you anything like muscle relaxers or pain medication or inflammation medication or anything like that to help with your, your chronic pain, basically?
1: Yeah, everything he prescribed. I think one time I had like 15 different medicines for muscle pain. Uh, I had three types of morphine, uh, antidepressant. yeah, everything.
0: So, I Emma, mean, were your doctors prescribing you all of this pain medication while they were at the same time diagnose, diagnosing you with a psychosomatic mental health issue?
2: Mm-hmm, yes. Which is quite interesting because if they, if they believed it was all made up, that they would also prescribe you medication to decrease the pain. So just, you know, interesting from, from our point of view to see how other countries handle uh, misdiagnoses like this. Yeah, it
1: felt weird to get me, they tell me that it's all in my head and that I need all this medication. I, I, I was thinking
2: like, <laughs> I'm mental, this is, this is crazy. Let's, can you talk a little bit about your symptoms? So you were, you were sick for about a five year window from the time you were 24 to 29 until you got your Lyme disease diagnosis. So can you talk in more detail about your symptoms and what you experienced throughout that five year window? Yeah, started with a lot of muscle pain and all the, the whole
1: back was so tender and I had a lot of migraines nausea i was tired and fatigue. under my foot it was like burning <laughs> it was like fire and i was sweat, sweating a lot and also
2: my my right leg got paralyzed and my right arm got paralyzed when you had this paralysis were your doctors saying again that it was still psychosomatic and you were the cause your you know your brain was the cause of the paralysis
1: yeah they were really Direct on that and said every time that this is something that's psychomatic, it doesn't, it, it, it isn't something else.
2: It's only in your head. And these doctors are all public healthcare doctors. So these are doctors from your public healthcare system there in Sweden that you were seeing as part of the public healthcare system. Yes. So before you got diagnosed, did you seek any private doctors to help you above and beyond what the public healthcare system was able to help you with?
1: Yeah, before I did this uh, test from Germany, I seek a doctor, when I got the, back the results from the test, it says that I had Borrelia, Bartonella, Illichia and other viruses, uh, we, we searched for a Swedish doctor, a private
2: doctor, and um, he prescribed me antibiotics for five months. So this private doctor in Sweden prescribed you antibiotics for five months to treat the Lyme disease, Borrelia, and the Eurekia that came back positive from your blood test that you sent over to Armin Labs in Germany.
0: Yes. I'd like to ask you about the public health care system in your country and what your perspective was on the system before you had gotten sick. Because I can tell you in the U.S., we are led to believe that the Scandinavian public health care system is one of the best in the world. Did you feel that it was one of the best in the world before you got sick? And did your opinion change after you had gotten sick?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Before I got, I had like problems with my knee and got surgery. Everything was really good. I felt I believed in the doctors and everything they said. I was like, we treated them like gods here. So we have a different, I have a different vision of the doctor's day.
0: And what about the system in general? I I understand how you could have lost faith in the doctors. Have you also lost faith in the public healthcare system in Sweden?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I I know people are going to be mad at me when I say this, but we we can't live in this society where people are so sick here, and they got this M.E., they got the fibromyalgia, all this types of uh, diagnosis that they don't get help, they don't get treatment. I I, I wonder where all these diagnoses come from. I want to know where they come from. No one
2: can say where it comes from. I don't have any faith on this healthcare system anymore. Emma before you went to your private doctor, did you get the blood work done on your own through Armor Labs or is that something that the private doctor issued for you and told you to do to get that blood work?
1: No, I did it on my own.
2: What led you to believe you may have Lyme disease, to do that on your own? Uh, so the fu- funny
1: thing, thing is that I went to see a healing person, uh, someone that's in contact with the universe. I didn't think that it could help me, but she, she only saw a tick. That's where like, we, my, father, my family said, okay, we, we will try this test to see if it is Lyme disease, because... The doctors here in Sweden have tested me for Lyme disease with their tests but it doesn't show anything so we, we found
2: this test and then it's shown positive. So it sounds like in Sweden your public health care system does inadequate Lyme testing like we do here in the states. Yes, uh, yes the same tests that you have I think. So the same testing the, the ELISA is the first level and the Western blot is the second level but yeah. we know that there are many many false negatives, and if you don't go and get a good lab like Armin Labs or Igenics, you could have Lyme despite the fact that you have a negative Lyme test from the traditional doctor that you may see in the public healthcare system. Yes, and that's correct. Now, you went to this spiritual doctor who led you down the, the road of thinking that you could have Lyme disease, and then you went and got this test done at Armin Labs. Did you bring those results back to the public healthcare system to see what they thought about the results? Yes, I did. And he looked at the paper and said, this is bullshit. <laughs> he just
1: threw the papers away and said, no, 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 no. You, you just throw your money away. They, they want to take your money and then you're broke and everything. He, he had so many bad things to say about that test. So I'm starting to wonder where,
2: came the, where did that anger came from? And he did nothing to help you at that point. So he said, this is crap. You don't have Lyme disease or a tick disease. This is still psychosomatic and don't give them your money. You're wasting your time and money. Get out of here, basically. Yes. But you knew at this point. So it sounds like you kind of had a change where at one point you believed that it was psychosomatic. But now through your research and working with other private doctors, you thought, I could really have Lyme disease. And you then didn't accept that answer and went on to another private doctor to then treat you for Lyme disease. And that's the doctor who gave you the five months of oral antibiotics, correct? Yes. Do you recall the type of oral antibiotics that you were on for five months? I tried doxycycline and metronidazole. Metronidazole is the one that takes uh, the cyst form. What was it like when you first started the antibiotic treatment? Did you feel better? Did you feel worse? Or did you feel about the same in the beginning of your treatment? I felt so much better. It was like the
1: best drug ever. <laughs> it was really good, and I could I could stop the morphine treatment uh, almost like two months after I got the doxycycline. It was oh, it was
0: heaven. Emma I'm I'm quite frankly blown away by what I'm hearing from the diagnostic and treatment journey that you are on. You were you were so sick that you had to leave work and you were you were given disability. You're treating with various doctors who are suggesting that your illness was a mental health illness and not a physiological illness. They're putting you on all kinds of drugs and including very addictive drugs like morphine yet you bring your doctor a test that indicates that you have a physical injury that can be treated, and he tells you it's bullshit. How did it make you feel when you ultimately got your Lyme disease diagnosis about yourself, that you lost faith in your ability to know whether or not you were really sick?
1: Uh, When I got test results back on my email, I was alone in my apartment, I was sitting in bed, at first I was, I, I laughed, I was like crazy laugh. <laughs> and then I realized that this is, this is the truth. I wasn't, I didn't have this psychosomatic disease. And it was like, I started to cry and I cried and I cried and everything was, I, I had a solution here. Now I know what to do. So first I, I was like, I wanted to, sh- to to take this paper and shove it in in the doctor's face, and like and just laugh at him and say, "I'm I'm going to file a report on you because this is so wrong."
0: So the the very people who were calling you crazy were in fact the people who were crazy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was the feeling I had. It was like I I wanted to to uh, phone the TV. I wanted to write to the newspapers, I want to do anything
2: to, to reveal this big uh, scam. Once you were having success with the antibiotics from this private doctor in Sweden, did you ever return to your public doctor and tell him that, hey, you said this was BS, but I'm feeling so much better now that I'm receiving the treatment for the Lyme disease? Yes, because
1: when I was
2: on the uh,
1: antibiotics for five months, I was feeling great and everything. And then when I stopped the treatment, I got really worse. I was really bad. So we have to go back to the doctors and say, can you do something? And that was a turning point for me because he said, nothing, we can, can't can do nothing. We can send you to a hospital in, other, in another place. And they they were going to lock me in. <laughs> he said, I was crazy. They are going to lock me in some some other place, it's another hospital,
2: because I'm crazy. So after your five months of oral antibiotics from this private doctor, you stopped the antibiotics, you felt bad again, you started to get symptomatic again and feel okay. really sick, you returned mm-hmm. to your public healthcare system doctor for further treatment because you, found, you finally found something that was actually helping you, and instead of helping <laughs> you, this doctor said, I'm going to submit you to a psych ward and lock you in a padded room, basically it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Which is obviously the, the last thing you needed at that point. So did you, did you go back to your private doctor who prescribed the five months of antibiotics to seek further treatment at that point?
1: No, we, we didn't want him to lose his license. So we felt like we had to do another
2: go another way. So is Lyme disease accepted at all in the Swedish medical community?
1: Yeah, it's accepted and they know the impact but they don't, they don't believe in more than 10 days antibiotics. If you take 10, 10 days antibiotics,
2: and then you should be fine, you're cured. So you felt that there was no chance of getting more antibiotics from your private doctor because he was already at risk of losing his license for treating you for five months. So you had zero options within Sweden at this point to get further treatment to help your Lyme disease. Exactly, we were alone. So what did you do next? Your, your public health care doctor saying he's going to institutionalize you and put you into a locked room for mental health reasons. Your private doctor saying he can't help you anymore because he's afraid he's going to lose his medical license if he treats you any, any longer. What did you do at that point? We were consulting with the old
1: Lyme doctor. The only Lyme doctor we had in Sweden before they take, took his... Uh... Did they take his license away? Yeah, yeah. Before he t- took his license away, we, we contacted, him, contacted him on email and he said, There is a clinic in Germany. You can go there and get IV antibiotics.
2: So that's where, why we did go to Germany. So there was only one doctor in all of Sweden who recognized that 10 days of antibiotics for Lyme wasn't adequate and would actually treat you to help you recover and heal. And then the Swedish government revoked his license. And then at that point, there was essentially nobody who can treat you for for Lyme disease past 10 days at that point. Yeah. Do you recall the name of the clinic he referred you to at that point?
1: Yes, it was the clinic I went to. It was uh, Dr. Reinhardt, Jan-Olof Reinhardt in uh,
2: Fordsheim. So you took this Lyme doctor's recommendation and actually left your country went to Germany to get the treatment you needed to feel better. Yes. So talk us through what that was like. So you're, you're still very sick. You had to leave the country. You had to travel. That had to be emotionally and physically painful for you while being so sick to have to leave and go to Germany for treatment.
1: Yeah, the problem was I I, didn't, I don't remember the travel down to Germany because I had so much pain and I... I had so much jaw jaw pain, so I couldn't, I don't remember the whole travel down, but I went with my parents in an RV, so we went down in late November, going on the road to
2: uh, Germany for, I think it took like three or four days to come down to the place. At this time, were you still on the pain medication and and other drugs to help with your pain, or were were you totally off of those at this point? I was off of the medications. And you mentioned that you had severe jaw pain at this point while you were traveling to Germany. Can you talk more about the jaw pain that you had?
1: Uh, So the jaw pain come when I first did uh, a sauna bath. (laughs) It was too hot and the jaw wanted to dislocate it and the tongue went like a spear. So I couldn't breathe And and the jaw wanted to to
2: click and help dislocate So you mentioned that you did an infrared sauna and that the heat was too much and that sort of stemmed or started your your jaw pain. Were there any positive impacts to doing the infrared sauna? Uh, I didn't know
1: what the infrared sauna was in that time. So I didn't research about I should drink a lot of water. I need to fill up with salt and
2: magnesium and everything like And I think that triggered the problem. And this was all done while you were on the oral antibiotics by your private doctor in Sweden before you went to Germany. You did this infrared sauna, it sounds like. Yes. So, and and you think that you didn't take the proper steps and that's why you had this jaw pain because you may not have been fully hydrated. You may not have done the right things to do while getting the infrared sauna. Yes. Did you do anything else before you left for Germany to help with your symptoms? No, I didn't take anything because we were in the blank. Nobody
1: told us or we didn't have any form that we can research anything. And it was, we were in a hurry. We didn't have time to research and anything. We, we had to go there and get the treatment because I was going to die, to die.
2: So you were that sick, where your doctors and your family felt that you were going to die if you didn't go to Germany to get treatment. Yeah, I, I was
1: actually when we when we were in the RV, I had like four three to four cramps a day, and every time I had a cramp, I had to get this muscle reliever in my butt. You know this this medicine in the butt, and when I get it, I stopped breathing. That was the problem. So. I got this muscle relief and I stopped breathing, so my parents had to to slap me and everything on my back to get. <laughs> so I, I
2: I, almost died, yeah. So you, you were taking medicine to help with the muscle pain and the muscle spasms and the, the medicine that you were getting in a, basically a needle, a shot in your butt caused you to stop breathing and that your parents had to, I guess, sounds like almost do CPR to restart your heart to get you breathing again, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Do you recall the, what the medicine was that they were giving you in, in the shot in your butt? Here in Sweden called Stesolid. Can you repeat the name again? Stesolid. Now you're here in Germany, and you mentioned that they were gonna do IV antibiotics. Is that what they did? Yeah, they only treat with antibiotics. And you did that for five weeks straight, and then returned home to Sweden, right? Yeah, five
1: weeks, and we got home with the RV and celebrated Christmas, and then I got worse again. Did the IV antibiotics help you more than the oral antibiotics? Oh yes, because I stopped talking when I came to Germany. I stopped talking because I had some muscle. i was paralyzed in in the tongue. Uh, in, my, in my, my mouth. So when
2: I started antibiotics in two weeks, I could start talking again. And then within five weeks, you were feeling much better, returned home, and you were able to celebrate Christmas, but then started to get sick again, it sounds like. Yes, because I didn't tolerate the oral antibiotics at the, that time. When you left Germany after the five weeks and came home for Christmas, you were on oral doxycycline while you were home for Christmas after Germany? Yes. And your body couldn't handle it at that point because you were too weak, so you had to return back to Germany for IV antibiotics?
1: Yes. That's right.
2: And it sounds like you did that one more time, so you went back that second time after Christmas and you got seven weeks of IV antibiotics, and yes. then you returned home, got sick again, and then went back for another four weeks of IV antibiotics. So you were in Germany at three separate times for five weeks, seven weeks, and then four weeks. Yes and each time you felt significantly better while getting the treatment, but upon returning home to Sweden, you started to get sick again. Yeah, it was like
1: having this IV, it was like (laughs) a lot of things gets better with
2: the IV. So after the third visit to Germany and getting the IV antibiotics, coming home and getting sick again, that was your last visit. What did you do differently because you were still sick and you needed more help, did you take a different course of action now. At this point, uh, we tried different antibiotics.
1: So I, I have tried uh, seven different antibiotics, and the last time I was in Germany, uh, we tried a different antibiotic, and it felt
2: much better. So you, when you returned home from that last time, that mm-hmm. they used a different antibiotic and it worked much better, did mm. you stay healthy and and feeling better with your symptoms at that point? Once you returned home. Yeah, the symptoms just stayed in the same, uh, so we, I contacted my
1: doctor and said, can we start something to build up my body now, like herbs
2: or something like that. So the third time in Germany, they changed the type of IV antibiotic they were giving you. They gave you a different yeah. type of antibiotic in your IV, which then allowed you to feel better once you returned home and not get sick again. Yes. And then at that point, you then said, well, I wanted to focus on rebuilding my body and my immune system, and then discussed herbs with your doctor from Germany to start rebuilding your body. Yes. Can you talk more about the types of herbs and who made them that you took? The company is Nutramedix, and the herbs are
1: banderol, cemento, and barbopanella. They all, I think the banderol is the one that kills the lime uh, sp- spirochetes and cemento is the one that helps the body to the nervous system and uh, an immune system is building up again. And berberinella is the one that detox your
2: brain. So if you have uh, extreme fatigue or something, it helps a lot. Do you feel that the herbs were very effective in rebuilding your body, your immune system, and also helping kill off whatever Lyme bacteria was left? Yes, I think so. I feel much better and lighter because the antibiotics,
1: they kill so many things in your body, also the good stuff.
2: So with the herbs, it started to build up again. So really at that point, that was the cleanup period of your healing. So you had the antibiotics, which had good and bad effects, and the herbs were cleaning up the damage that was done from the antibiotics and also helping kill off residual or leftover Lyme bacteria. Yeah, exactly. You did mention, though, that you did try CBD oil at a later point. So at what point did you try CBD oil for symptom relief?
1: I started CBD oil for like one month ago. And it feels like I get better sleeping better.
2: Uh, that's the only thing I, that helps me. It's with the sleep because I don't sleep so good. And you also took chlorella, which is a, something that you take to help remove, I think, toxins from your body. Is that correct? Yes. It helps a lot. I can recommend that one.
0: (laughs) So, Emma, where are you getting the money to purchase all of these medical services that you're purchasing from Germany and now the herbal protocol?
1: Mm. Uh, We started uh, like a GoFundMe page on uh, my uh, Facebook page. And we made a, a video. Two friends of mine did a film under a day here in my apartment. And we talked. I talked about my symptoms, and we are now going to do this trip to Germany. And I, uh, I don't have this Lyme diagnosis in Sweden, but I have it in Germany. So we have to go to Germany.
2: It was I couldn't speak so good in this video, so people they don't admit. So looking back at your entire journey with Lyme disease. What would you say was the most effective thing that you did to help your recovery? Uh, it was antibiotics, uh, herbs, and infrared
1: sauna, and sleep was the main thing also. You have to sleep a lot. You have to rest a lot. And don't stress. It's
2: the, the worst thing you can do is stress. Breathing is very important as well. So are there any breathing techniques that you can recommend for our listeners to help maybe when they're in a a state of panic or worry or anxiety or depression, they help sort of stabilize their mood?
1: Yeah. So take a deep breath and count to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, hold the breath and then out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then do that three times. then you see the the blood pressure, everything's going down. Just, Just take, be calm.
2: So after everything you've done, you've certainly come a really, really long way in the couple of years that you've now been treating for your Lyme disease. How do you feel today? Oh, wow. Today, it's like another, I'm another person.
1: <laughs> today, I can, I can walk outside with, with my dog. Uh, I can cook my own food. I can clean my own apartment. I can wash my clothes. I don't have migraines and headaches. The brain fog is less and no no pain in the back.
0: Can you share with our listeners how you're different today as a consequence of this Lyme disease journey that you've gone on? How are you better? Not just different, but better than you were before you began the journey.
1: I like good conversation. Before I, I didn't listen to other people as much as I do today. I don't plan. I don't plan the next week because I don't know what's going to happen. and That's maybe a bad, a sad thing, but it's true. I am not this stressful person anymore because I can't tolerate stress. I'm much calmer.
0: Now, I mean, you've always had this desire to be a public servant. Your goal was to become a police officer before you began your Lyme disease journey. We have seen that you've done a great deal of outreach through social media and you, you're trying to share your journey with other people who are suffering from Lyme disease so they don't have the same challenges that you had. Can you talk to us about how you've transformed from someone who wanted to be a, a public servant in the law enforcement community to now being a public servant in the Lyme community?
1: When I started to think about if my family got a tick bite and everything, I, I feel like I got anxiety from feeling like anyone else getting this, this uh, sickness I would feel so bad, so I wanted to prevent this from happening. So, through my media, to make people realize how bad it, this is and how many people that are sick, it's so important for me to, to come out and, and tell my story because I don't know if someone, someone else is getting sick and I can't, I can't watch someone else get sick. It's terrible.
0: Can you share hmm. with us how you have transformed from the person who is struggling with her illness and not being able to be in a romantic relationship to now having transformed to someone who is healthy enough to be in a romantic relationship.
1: Yeah, so I met this wonderful person <laughs> and got very in love. And I have to be honest to her and say, that I have this disease, the anxiety of that I can be this healthy person that runs around and and have a job and everything, and she 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 accepted me in that, and she also is sick in another way. We are both sick, but we thrive in our love to each other.
0: Do you have any advice you that you'd like to give to other people suffering from chronic Lyme disease about what they may want to do so that they can be in healthy romantic relationships?
1: Yes, yes, you have to accept that you are sick when you are sick you don't accept that you are sick because you have to find a solution of everything so just accept that you are sick and you and trust the process and then I think when you are open because when you're when you're sick and tired and everything you you close yourself you close your heart and everything your family and friends are are going away from you and I think you have to open your heart just to be open, open-minded open and and uh, not take anything from granted.
0: So, Am, I'm going to ask you to now look back at your entire Lyme disease journey that you've just shared with our listeners. And please tell us, who's the one person that stood by you and allowed you to get through this very difficult time?
1: My parents, my both parents. Uh, they have been a really rock for me. I can come to them and cry and I can feel really bad and say all this, all my thoughts, without them I couldn't, I I didn't survive without them. So
0: So I might have one last question to ask you in the spirit of your new role as a Lyme disease and tick disease public servant. If tomorrow you woke up and you found a tick biting you on your leg, what would you do?
1: I would start antibiotic treatment right away. Four weeks with the antibiotics, I, I, shouldn't, I don't want to wait for the, the ring or something like that. I use it straight away.
0: Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Emma Melblum. To our listeners, we have a call to action. If you'd like to learn more about Emma and her tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram at E-M-M-A-M-E-L-L-B-L-O-M. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, we here at Tick Bootcamp have created a tick by blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. We would appreciate it if you would contact us with any suggestions you have for improvements. And fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, our listeners, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us a review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.